0: Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with The Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Bruce Steele. And Bruce is the CEO of Equilium, Inc. And for those not familiar with Equilium, Bruce, uh, tell us a little bit about the company.
1: Hi, Jeff. Thank you very much for uh, having me on today and uh, thrilled to be able to give you uh, a a little bit of an introduction to Equilium. Uh, We are a... a uh, biotech company focused on developing a highly novel um, uh, first-in-class therapeutic program to treat severe autoimmune and inflammatory diseases. Uh, we started the company just under three years ago. Uh, we were able to complete a public offering of the company in uh, October of 2018 as we were taking our program into our initial three indications, so we currently have our lead asset, Elizimab, uh, in three different clinical studies today: uh, uncontrolled asthma, acute graft-versus-host disease, and lupus nephritis. We've provided guidance that we expect our initial data from all three of these development programs in the second half of this year. So, 2020 is going to be a very interesting year for us as we uh, start to produce data from these clinical studies. Um, we are traded uh, on the NASDAQ under the ticker EQ, um, and uh, Be happy to tell you more about uh, the company and why we're so excited about this program and our ability to hopefully uh, impact, uh, you know, patient lives in a very meaningful way with this new therapeutic approach.
0: Perfect. Now, Now, the three areas that you're going after, are they very large or could they be blockbuster drugs?
1: Yeah, so um, each of the therapeutic areas are, are are different, obviously, in terms of the um, indications and have different clinical development timelines as well as different commercial opportunities. Um, so we do think the drug, if successful in one or more of the therapeutic areas, uh, could be, uh, you know, achieve that category of blockbuster drug, which is generally defined as a drug that could produce a billion dollars or more of annual revenue. Um, in the case of the different three indications at a high level, The uncontrolled asthma uh, indication for our program is a very significant unmet medical need. Uh, In terms of the target population of patients that we are trying to address, it's north of 500,000 patients per year who have severe asthma that's uncontrolled by existing therapies, Um, and we think we're really well positioned based on the way that our drug works to potentially treat those patients. Um, The average price of biologics uh, in the asthma setting is around $30,000 per patient per year. So that represents, you know, a very significant total addressable market, certainly would support a blockbuster drug, if, if successful. In the case of uh, GVHD, um, there's roughly 10,000 or so patients per year who uh, undergo these hematopoietic stem cell transplants that then drive uh, sort of a downside of the, uh, of the uh, procedure, which is the graft-versus-host disease, that about half of these patients will... Uh, will suffer from, so that represents five to 6,000 patients per year or so who present with acute graft-versus-host disease. This is a very serious complication of these stem cell transplants that are uh, generally designed to try and cure an underlying cancer that patients have, um, with roughly half of these patients going on uh, to, uh, to, to die over a five-year period. So it's a very severe disorder if you are unfortunate to um, come down with graft-versus-host disease. Um, and drugs in that kind of setting can garner north of $100,000 uh, per per treatment per, per patient. So, um, you know, we think that's a sizable market um, uh, in terms of what we can address there. And then in lupus nephritis, this is sort of the more severe form of, of lupus that has kidney involvement. Um, the number of patients that have lupus nephritis in the United States roughly numbers around 100,000 patients. Um, so, again, pretty significant market opportunity Uh, for that indication. So, you know, each of the therapeutic areas that we're pursuing, uh, we're pursuing because we think the drug can be best in class, Uh, we're pursuing because there's a high unmet medical need uh, for these patient populations, and we believe there's an attractive commercial opportunity.
0: Can you detail uh, the state of care for the three areas?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, generally speaking, standard of care today for um, <clears throat> all three of these indications tends to be uh, steroid use um, as sort of the first-line uh, first, first line treatment. In the case of acute graft-versus-host disease, that really is the only uh, sort of standard of care. There are no approved therapies today to treat acute graft-versus-host disease. In the asthma setting. Uh, Frontline care typically uh, is inhaled corticosteroids or um, short and long-acting beta agonists. Um, if patients are not controlled on those programs, they—excuse <coughs> me—they tend to then progress into more advanced targeted biologic treatments. Um, most of the treatments that have been approved today treat patients who are generally characterized as uh, type 2 asthma patients or eosinophilic asthma patients. There are a significant number of patients who do not respond to those approved biologics, and I'd say those are the types of patients that we're going to be targeting with our, uh, with our therapy. Um, uh, so, you know, significant unmet need with, with really no approved therapies to treat patients who have uh, sort of non-T2 or non eosinophilic driven disease today, and there's very few programs that are in development targeted at that patient population. <clears throat> and then, similarly, in the case of lupus nephritis, uh, today, there are no approved therapies to treat lupus nephritis, so standard of care tends to be um, sort of high-dose steroids and other uh, immune-modulating uh, therapies.
0: So at this early stage, you know, what gives you the confidence that you're on the right track?
1: Yeah, so interestingly, uh, the drug that we're developing, we in-license from our partner, uh, Biocon, which is a uh, very large company uh, based in India, uh, India's one of, of India's largest biopharmaceutical companies who has a core business in manufacturing uh, biologics and biosimilars. Uh, they have two drugs approved here in the United States in partnership with Myelin, uh, biosimilar Herceptin and biosimilar Nulasta. Um, our partner, Biocon, developed this drug in psoriasis. Uh, so they completed a pivotal study in 225 patients in psoriasis uh, with etalizumab. Uh, The data was uh, positive in terms of the uh, endpoints in in treating psoriasis. It demonstrated a uh, very uh, good safety and tolerability profile, and that led to the approval of the drug uh, for the treatment of psoriasis in India back in 2013. So we already have, you know, what I would consider to be, you know, uh, significant clinical validation of etalizumab, at least in that patient population. We know the drug is a highly active Uh, immunomodulatory agent. Uh, We think we have a good understanding of the safety and tolerability profile. Um, And so, you know, from that standpoint, uh, you know, we we think we have a, uh, you know, significant uh, advantage, if you will, in terms of taking a program forward that's already been through uh, several clinical studies through our partner, Biocon. Uh, Mechanistically, uh, you know, our therapy is highly unique and differentiated from really all other drugs currently in clinical development in terms of the ability to modulate both the activity of T-cells that, that are uh, highly implicated in causing and proliferating uh, sort of uh, disease, as well as the trafficking of those T-cells into key organs and tissues uh, where uh, you sort of see the manifestation of uh, tissue destruction uh, that, that leads to kind of the disease state. So. We have a very unique, uh, uniquely acting drug in terms of this activity in trafficking inhibition, um, and we have a drug that we have a pretty good understanding of the safety and tolerability profile. And in each of the indications we're pursuing, uh, the T cells that we're targeting, we you know we know based on uh, published data, you know are, are you know, central sort of to uh, the disease pathogenesis. So that's why we have uh, you know conviction in taking this program forward into these therapeutic areas.
0: So the three areas that you're, you're targeting are, are they based on one drug that's a platform for you, and you're going after different indications with that?
1: Yeah, I mean we you know we kind of call this a, a pipeline and a product opportunity, um, not unlike other uh, drugs that have been very successful in treating uh, one or more autoimmune diseases, things like Humira and Enbrel that are approved for multiple autoimmune indications that have achieved you know blockbuster plus status. Uh, we do believe that based on the way that our drug works, it could be applied against a range of indications. And, you know, we've selected three initial indications where we believe we can create value in the near term uh, by demonstrating proof of concept of the program in, in each of these indications, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, we think this drug has broad therapeutic utility across a range of uh, diseases where there remains very high medical need for these patients.
0: And so, so you're, you're targeting... Um The T cell, is that the uh, mechanism of action?
1: Yeah, the drug target is uh, a a cell surface receptor called CD6, which is expressed differentially on a subtype of T cells called effector T cells. Um, The effector T cells, namely Th1, Th2, and Th17, have been demonstrated to be uh, sort of the bad actors, if you will, in the immune system. Uh, when you have an individual who uh, starts to take on an autoimmune disease. So in a healthy individual, you have uh, sort of two primary types of T-cells, which are, uh, you know, primary actors in the adaptive immune system that basically keep keep your immune system in balance. You have regulatory T-cells and effector T-cells. The regulatory T-cells, per the name, regulate the effector T-cells, which are the ones that basically go in and find... Um, you know infectious uh, uh, agents and get rid of them from the body. And when you have an autoimmune disease, uh, <clears throat> such as type 1 diabetes or multiple sclerosis, or in our case, uh, acute graft-versus-host disease or uncontrolled asthma that's, uh, uh, that's uh, driven from uh, immunity or lupus nephritis, these are all autoimmune-driven uh, diseases, uh, you have an aberrant immune system where the T-effector cells have become if you will, uh, sort of overreactive, and that drives, uh, drives an autoimmune state. And so we are hoping with our therapeutic intervention to downregulate those overreactive effector T cells, um, and in so doing, uh, ideally kind of restore that balance to the immune system and, and bring it back into, uh, you know, a more homeostatic uh, state. And, and, you know, ultimately we like to uh, be able to control these severe diseases for patients um, you know, in kind of a chronic, uh, long-term setting, and um, you know, have a have a program that can really have a, a durable effect.
0: So, f- for the FDA, if you satisfy the safety study, um, will that work for all the indications, or do you have to uh, do that again and again? Uh,
1: so, I think to, to answer the question, to, to receive approval of the product in any given indication, you did, you need to establish a safety and tolerability profile. Um, that is sufficient, uh, you know, based on the activity of the drug against any given indication. So, for example, you know, if you're treating cancer patients who are otherwise uh, likely to die, you have a lower threshold for safety than you would if you're treating something that's a, a more chronic disease. So there is disease dependency in terms of the safety and tolerability profile you need to demonstrate um, versus the benefit that you're providing to the patients from your therapy. Um, Once you have a drug approved in one indication and you have established uh, generally how that, uh, uh, you you know, you've established a safety and tolerability profile, the FDA uh, will utilize that information as it contemplates additional approvals and other indications. So um, the answer is a little bit of both.
0: Okay. And and where are your studies um, being held?
1: So, we are uh, running these three studies in different uh, geographies. So, the acute graft versus host disease study, which was our first study to launch, is being conducted in the United States. We've got a number of top-tier um, uh, transplant centers who have our drug in the clinical study, including groups such as Dana-Farber and City of Hope. Um, <clears throat> we have the uh, uncontrolled asthma study is underway in Australia and New Zealand. We. Decided to undertake the study there based on the strength of the uh, uh, centers who uh, have experience in asthma there and our ability to move quickly in terms of getting the study launched. Um, they've got a very good uh, capability down there for running these programs. And then the lupus nephritis program is being conducted both here in the United States as well as in a couple of uh, centers over uh, over in Europe.
0: Okay. Is it too soon, or do you have any um, write-ups in any major journals?
1: Uh, Yeah, so we actually, um, there are a number of publications on uh, CD6 and the CD6-ALCAM pathway that are available. There's a lot of published literature on the drug target as well as uh, elizumab itself. The pivotal study that I mentioned previously that Biocon completed uh, has been published. Uh, We've also recently had uh, several posters and discussions at uh, some recent conferences, so some of those posters are available. Uh, so, yeah, there's a fair amount of literature both on our drug map as well as the uh, pathway that we're targeting.
0: Okay. A um, little off topic, but want to make sure you have the, the money to get there. So, how about last reported cash and cash burn?
1: Yeah, so I would say that's very much on topic. Uh, obviously, a key consideration for any company in our space is the ability to fund the studies and, and take the program forward. So, um, with the proceeds we raised from the IPO, uh, as well as a recent uh, credit facility we have um, secured from SVB uh, in Oxford, uh, we reported $62.5 million, I believe, at the end of Q3. We have not yet reported our end of 2019 numbers, but we have provided guidance that the cash on hand, based on our current operating plan, is sufficient to take the company into the second half of 2021, And recall that we are expecting initial data from uh, these three clinical development programs around, sorry, during the second half of this year. So we should have cash on hand sufficient to get through these initial data reads.
0: And you mentioned you have one partner. Do you have other partners? And also, um, what's your partnering strategy?
1: Uh, sh- certainly. So the, the uh, only partnership we have in place currently is with Biocon, who, uh, you know, from whom we license the asset. Uh, the partnership also includes a, a supply uh, product supply agreement, whereby they will provide drug product for both clinical and commercial supply. Uh, we don't have any other partnerships uh, to date. Um, you know, as a biotech company at our stage, I think we're always, uh, you know, receptive to how we might. Um, uh, further advance and accelerate uh, development of the program with potential partners, um, whether it's geographic uh, types of, uh, of partnerships or uh, partnerships around different indications we might want to pursue, as we discussed earlier. There are a number of other therapeutic areas that we think would be interesting to study with uh, with the program with more resources. So, uh, you know, I would say generally biotech companies are always engaged with uh, discussions with uh, third-party strategic partners. And... Um, you know, we, uh, we from time to time, we're, uh, you know, interested in those discussions as well.
0: So, so where do you think you have to get to um, or where do you want to get to for additional partners?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think our focus right now really is um, good execution this year, uh, getting initial data from these three clinical studies. That will drive how we take the program forward into additional development. It will... Uh, inform how we're thinking about the commercial opportunity of the program vis-a-vis other products that are in development or on the market in these different therapeutic areas. Um, and that would also potentially, um, you know, drive further thinking on uh, partnering aspects of the program.
0: So where are you with your um, with your lead drug, your lead indication?
1: Yeah, so uh, so elizumab, again, is currently in these three different clinical studies Uncontrolled asthma, acute GVHD, and lupus nephritis, Uh, these are um, all phase 1B studies uh, where we'll be looking at the safety and tolerability of the program in these patient settings as well as uh, a range of activity markers, Um, and data from all three programs we have provided guidance uh, is expected in the second half of this year, second half of 2020.
0: Okay. So if we look out at it this year for for data or other milestones to watch for, is it a second half of the year story, or are there other things that could crop up?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that is uh, currently what we would consider to be the most important milestones for the company will be data from the three programs uh, later this year.
0: Okay. Um, anything I'm uh, failing to ask you or, or any closing remarks that you want to leave us with?
1: Uh, no, I, I think we're just very excited about where the company's positioned today. Uh, you know, we have a highly novel program that we think has, uh, you know, broad therapeutic utility to treat patients who have, um, you know, really significant uh, unmet medical need in severe disorders. Um, we're, we're thrilled to have the opportunity to try and help these patients. <clears throat> we think 2020 is going to be, you know, a very important year, and. Um, you know, we have a, a great team uh, that's come together to, uh, to take this whole opportunity forward, and we're uh, looking forward to a very uh, interesting year. And uh, we appreciate your time and consideration in learning more about what Aquilium is doing and uh, happy to, you know, follow up as, uh, as needed.
0: Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate you sharing the story.
1: Thank you. Take care.